The one thing that's kind of near and dear to me is that I'm able to come back and, and give back in a way that I love doing it. Breakdown, good job. That I can reach, you know, a broader uh, athlete and, and more athletes from different sports. Go and give my expertise and my knowledge and just share my experiences to help them get a leg up. It's just about getting better. It's not about being the best today. We're going to get you faster and quicker as we go. For me, it's, it's, it's the experiences of things that I have gone through and things that I wish I'd gone through or things I wish I'd known when I was their age. So that's the biggest thing that we always try to emphasize to these kids. Give everybody some love. Good job. Good job. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Homer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with Redcast Rob. I would like to ex- extend a warm Husker welcome to Riley Van Poppel, four-star recruit from Texas, son of Todd Van Poppel, 14th overall pick in the 1990 Major League Baseball draft for my Oakland Athletics. So let me tell you, man, from one team I root for to another team I root for, the Van Poppels are all over the place. Well, uh, that's nice. Well, the team that we root for, uh, we have uh, uh, one of their great all-time players uh, with us tonight. But first, uh, to go through our regular promos, uh, the next show up on Wednesday will be uh, the Fan Forum with Glenn Snodgrass, York High School football coach. That will be Wednesday, June 15th at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. As always, we have our promo code REDCAST uh, for hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Get $10 off your yearly subscription. Uh, Rob, how about uh, our new sponsor, FSC Edge? Well, it's a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive, stable history of over 20 years. And what is FSC Edge, you ask? That's a great question. It's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies, expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. And they support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe, including the European Patent Office, German Patent and Trademark Office, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and they're the only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. So their team is constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join in their mission. So check out available jobs today at www.jobsatfsc.com. Nice. We also have uh, Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, and uh, use Dad 22 uh, checkout. You'll get 20% off. And uh, that will be, for, you know, it's Father's Day this Sunday. So uh, Redcasters go out there and and uh, make sure you go to alumnihall.com slash Nebraska-Cornhuskers. And last but not least, our good friend Smack and Smooch out there in Elkhorn, uh, Laura and Shane. Uh, get some custom custom shirts and specialty items, 308-325-2542. And, of course, you've got the QR code. There we go. You know, we have a, a guest tonight. He played at Nebraska from 1996 to 99. Start, started a total of 20 games for the Black Shirts while lettering all four of his seasons. He made first team all-conference and second team all-American in 1999, propelling him to a third-round pick in the 2000 NFL draft by the Green Bay Packers. In 2006, after his playing days were over, he founded Developing Relationships Through Education, Athletics, and Mentoring, Dream for Short, uh, to help at-risk youth living in poverty. We welcome to the Redcast, Steve Warren. Thanks for having me, guys. You know, Steve, uh, the, right there, I mean, that's a, that's a lot. That's a heck of a bio right there. And I think a, a good place to start with this is with the Dream Org. And 
you know, mm-hmm. I was starting to do a lot of research on it because initially I just thought just Warren Academy, but Dream really uh, is kind of the the parent company over everything there, and that's developing relationships through education, athletics, and, and mentoring. Can you kind of give us you know a little bit of background and everything on on what Dream is and how you got that started? Dream is um, is our nonprofit organization. I started that um, right when I got done playing. Um, it was probably two thousand five, two thousand six. I played. Um, three or four years in the NFL and a couple years in arena. Um, bunch of injuries, went through a bunch of injuries, a bunch of different things, and uh, moved back here to Nebraska and was trying to find my way and, and what to do next with my life um, and decided to start, you know, an organization for kids. So it's it, it in a nutshell, it's after school programs, it's mentoring, um, athletic programs for athletic development and athletic performance, and then, of course, our football academy um, so we are dedicated to, you know, helping young people, um, you know, get exposure to different things that they might not uh, normally have exposure to, whether that's training, whether that's a, a, a you know, a, a mentor or, you know, just things to do after school to keep them busy um, and to give them a leg up. Mm-hmm. Well, and there is quite the impact here. Uh, I just took this off the, the website. 600 youth served daily through after-school programs, 100% free after-school programs for participating youth, 200 young men attend our Becoming a Men mentoring program, 194 service days after school, and then this was back in uh, 2018 to 19, but 55 current collegiate athletes uh, who are through that Warren Academy. So that's really mm-hmm. impressive. And those numbers, I'm not sure if they've changed a little bit since then, but that's still, those are all very impressive numbers. The, the numbers are, are about the same as far as what we do every day in the schools. Um, it's around 600 every day of what we serve. Um, the collegiate athletes is, is, is gone up uh, quite a bit that we usually average probably around 50 to 60 um, current athletes that are in school um, right now, but we've, you know, had hundreds now, hundreds of, of, of athletes that have come through our program that have gone on to play uh, collegiate sports. We're actually now not just um, servicing football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have uh, athletes from all sports through our sports performance training. So now those numbers are, they're, they're getting harder to track every day, but we're doing our best just to just to uh, make sure we're helping those kids out. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with the we do something on your tweets of the week and we're going to start with uh, this one here just from today. Uh, the Warren Academy sent out another week, another opportunity to get better. Week two of our summer program starts now. Um, so it is summer now. So that what makes up the, the summer training? What goes on, I guess, at at uh, Warren Academy during this time of year and can anyone can people sign up even right now, you know, two weeks in or how does that work? Yeah. yeah there's really never a time we cut off registration. We prorate whatever we're doing as far as training goes. Um, so our summer Academy is uh, primarily our strength and conditioning programs as well as our speed and agility programs. And then we also have our position specific training throughout the summer for football. So each, each one of our um, uh, positions that that we work with, they have a, a one or two coaches that athletes can sign up with and do either individual or small group training with. Um, so there's a there's a variety of things that we're doing right now. We have individual speed coaching, and um, we've got a few track coaches on our staff now that do jump training and speed training, um, as well as just our speed and agility um, work that we do now every day. So everything's kind of in full swing right now. Um, we've got a few high schools that we're working with, Central High School and Creighton Prep. We're going on our third year of doing their strength and conditioning. 
um, for them. And so uh, we're excited about that. Northwest uh, High School is also um, using our location this summer to do things out of. So it's um, it's 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 been good. It's fun to see uh, you know all the different um, all the different athletes coming through and uh, from all over and, and all ages. So we start with ten year olds, um, and that's the the age that you can kind of start training and doing stuff with us, unless we have a specialty camp, but. We're, we're 10 through college now, so it's it's fun to see all the athletes coming in and, and doing different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're based out of Omaha, but yeah. I've seen, you know, a number of the players or, you know, athletes have come through. I mean, there's kids from all over the place. Ben Bramer, yeah. I saw, was involved with it. He's from Pierce. So yeah. um, where, are, where are you located in Omaha? Uh, we're in three different locations uh, in Omaha in the surrounding area. So we have a location in Gretna. We, try, we partner with the Gretna Performance Center um, out on about 204th and 370. Um, we have a location there that we do things out of. And then we're also um, on Giles Road in the Omaha Sports Complex. Um, it's a, the big indoor soccer complex. That's our um, kind of our main base. And then our first location was actually um, in North Omaha, uh, right across the street from Northwest High School. So we have three locations there in Omaha. And we do that so, you know, we're not really cutting off um, one side of town or the other and hopefully giving um, everybody access to, to, to us and, and what we're doing. Mm. Well, we're big on, uh, in-state recruiting here on the Redcast and, and really just regional, I guess you yeah. could say the 500 mile radius, but, but in general, the in-state, uh, it, we've shown this graphic a number of times. It just changed today because one of the in-state kids, Cade McIntyre from Fremont Bergen, he just announced he's going to Oklahoma, but, uh, I mentioned Benjamin Bramer here earlier. He's someone that's committed. Um, I saw some tweets that, um, we had out here, you know, Warren Academy here, you retweeted something from Ben Bramer. Here's one where you retweeted with Tyson Terry, who is a 2025, yeah, 2025 in-state kid. And then yeah. even Zane Flores, and we've talked about him a couple of times. He didn't get a Nebraska offer, but he's going down to Oklahoma State. You know, talk about some of the kids that come through there and what are some of the things that the Warren Academy does and how does it help prepare these kids to to be getting these offers? Uh, the one thing we do is just, you know, offer – um, advice to some of these athletes that are getting recruited um, just on how to handle the process. And we talk to the parents a lot about um, the different things that they're going to experience and helping them, you know, navigate it. it it's a, uh, it, it's a, for anybody that has not been through it, um, recruiting is fun, but it's also very stressful. So um, we're, <laughs> we're kind of counselors in that way. And then just from the training standpoint, it's, it's whatever they need. Some of the athletes, um, that are on that list have done speed and agility with us or have worked with us in the weight room. Um, ben Bramer and Zane and Tyson Terry and those guys do position training with us. Um, the fun thing about Ben, um, Tyson and Zane is that I have, uh, uh, we, we've been a part of their programming and, and life since they were like fifth, sixth graders, right? They started coming to, they started coming to our camps and stuff when they were like in the fifth and sixth grade. So, it's fun to see those uh, pictures of those kids when they were really young. And uh, Tyson Terry's uh, uncle and I, Aaron Terry, who is a recruiting coordinator at Iowa Western, um, he was he was uh, I gave him his first job, uh, but he was one of my coaches when I was at Concordia. So Tyson was um, a young kid running around the weight room with us and working out with the kids when we were at Concordia. So it's it's fun to see these kids get these opportunities now because that's what you know our goal and our mission was was to help you know, kids from a young age get to the point to where if they want to go on and play college football or even pro football that, you know, we were helping them 
um, at a young age get prepared for that and to get that opportunity. Well, and you definitely can see some of the results. Uh, we had Michael Severe on last week, and he talked about seeing Tyson Terry on the on the sideline at Nebraska, and it was like, who is this guy? Is this like a redshirt freshman? Oh no, this is a yeah. freshman. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, I had some other guys that were sending me photos of like Ben Bramer on his most recent uh, uh, visit and just how much bigger he looked this time around than, you know, a year yeah. ago, some of those photos. So you're really seeing the development. Some of the things that obviously that they're doing with you guys are, are working. So that's very yeah. cool to see. Yeah. And it's where, you know, Devin Jackson is another kid that was, you know, it's fun now. He was just in the weight room today um, working out. Um, took a, took a picture with um, some of our kids that were training and gave them some advice and, um, it, it's fun to see those kids and a lot of all those kids uh, on that list that we work with are all great kids. That's the one thing that um, I love about, you know, the kids in this state, like for the most part, all of those kids are really quality kids and their families are great people. So it's e our job is pretty easy because we've got we've got great athletes to work with and, and ones that want to get better um, and that listen. So it makes our job it makes our job pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned, you know, giving advice. So how does that, like right now, I mean, there's so many things going on. The recruiting has changed so much just in the last five years, you know, let alone, you know, I, I can imagine when you were coming out of Springfield, you know, back in the, in the 90s, how different it is from then. But just in the last five years, NIL and, and even Transfer Portal, which goes, you know, into after they've already taken, you know, been recruited to a school. But still, how, you know, what kind of advice or, you know, how do you work with the kids in terms of kind of giving them mentorship during this recruiting uh, time, because they've got to be getting so many things in their, in their heads and ears, and they hear so many things from different coaches. So what, you know, how do you help them through kind of navigate through that? You know, it, it changes every day. So that's the hard part is, um, you know, now I would, I would love to be in this recruiting process, you know, just because of the opportunities that you have with the NIL, like there's, there's some, there's some, uh, some huge opportunities for a lot of our kids that we're working with to, to go in and make some, you know, life-changing money in the mm -hmm. beginning. Um, uh, things that we never would have thought possible when we were playing. Um, so I would love to be a part of that if I was an athlete coming out right now, but at the same time, the, um, the amount of uh, other stuff that comes along with it, you know, the, um, you know, there's always going to be those hanger-ons and those people that are trying to, um, take advantage of, you know, who you are and trying to, you know, gain some type of uh, advantage for themselves or opportunity for themselves. So it, as a 16, 17 year old, you don't really understand that um, until something negative happens to you. So, you know, we try to do our part and just to be um, just to be a, a voice that they that they know they can trust, um, that we don't want anything other than to see them win. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's always been our, our thing is a lot of our coaches, you know, we've, we've had our time um, to shine. We've played in the NFL. We've had um, all the limelight and all the stuff that comes along with it. And, and we're not really interested in that anymore. I'm a, I'm an old man now with four kids of my own and I don't have time for a lot of the stuff that happens uh, <laughs> in the public. eye. I, I don't, I don't really want to be a part of it. I just want to go to work and come home and train um, so we don't need any of that stuff. We don't need any of the any of the light. We don't need any of the accolades. We just want to see these kids win. Like I said. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to show this this graphic again. This one's it's intriguing to us. We bring this up a lot, and it's the importance you know for Nebraska to be good. Again, we you got to recruit 
you know, well in state. And just in this mm. one year alone, we mentioned Zane Flores, who we didn't offer, but there's eight other kids that have gotten offers that are in state. Four of them have committed. Here's four from uh, 2024. There's two from 2025. And and there's Deshaun Prince from Omaha Benson already in 2026. So, that you know, he's mm. just getting out of being a, a freshman or eighth grader, I guess. Um, you know, you see that right now. And you you read this when you go to any of the rivals or 24-7 or any of those that there's so much more talent in the state. And I guess you've had a chance now to work for yeah. you know over a decade with, with these kids. Is there more talent now, or is it just being identified more by more coaches coming and finding it? Has it, has it always been there, but now it's just really getting developed through programs like the Warren Academy. I mean, what are you seeing from a, a in-state and regional, you know, base from a talent standpoint? I, I would say there's more talent now than there was when we first started um, training. When we first started, you know, we had, um, there was always, there's always one or two guys um, in every city, Lincoln or Omaha or somewhere in the surrounding areas that, you know, had um, Nebraska, Nebraska type talent. Um, but I think now you're seeing it in every class and multiple. And just the one thing is like the access to training now that kids have. Um, I think that's changed a lot. And the things kids are doing now, um, you know, from a training standpoint, they're starting earlier. Um, from a development standpoint and a technique standpoint, they're starting earlier um, and they're they're getting really good at, at their craft. So there's always been athleticism. I don't know if there's always been um, I don't know if there's always been the technique behind it or the development behind it. Um, there's always been good size here. Um, that's one thing that, you know, some of the people that I know from around the country that have always recruited the area, they've always come into Nebraska and look for linemen. So there's always been like those linemen, mm -hmm. tight end type people. But um, now you're seeing quarterbacks and running backs and receivers and tight ends and linemen. Now you're seeing the whole um, the whole the whole gamut of, of, of athleticism in every position. We've got a question that came through here uh jason stinger he's he's lighting up our question board and he wants to know how many of the uh in-state kids that have a nebraska offer have you worked with um quite a probably 60 to 70 percent of those kids um if they've been around um omaha if they're from the omaha area they've come through warren academy at some point um uh, a, a lot of the kids like i said we've worked with from a young age and now they're um you know, now they're now they're at the, the level that they're at right now. So um, from that list alone, I think there's seven kids that are um, doing stuff with our coaches or that have come through our program or that um, come over and do things um, and, and work with our guys. Mm -hmm. You know, so just in the last couple of weeks, we've had at in Lincoln, the Friday night light camp. And then, you know, yeah. there's other camps that are going on. So does the Warren Academy kind of a collectively, do you send kids to these camps? Does it work like that? Or is it, does each individual kid just kind of go on their own or, how, you know, do you, do you assist with getting them to camps like that? It, you know, the only, the only really assistance that we do as far as getting kids to camps, if we have kids that can't afford to go, um, we, we try to help. Um, mm -hmm. We try to help with, with on, from the dream side of it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're able to take some of our discretionary funds and help um, a kid maybe, uh, get to camp or pay for camp. Um, but as far as like going to camps, we don't, we don't um, really transport kids unless again, if someone needs it and they don't have a ride, we'll take care of that. We've done that in the past. Our big thing is just getting them ready for camp. Um, mm -hmm. So we're doing the things in house to make sure that they're uh, ready to go when they get to camp so they can 
uh, so they can, uh, you know, excel out there. You know, I, I think it's interesting is that so this is the human element of this. Sometimes, you know, as fans, we just think of recruits. It's just, you know, they're just cogs in the machine. They're just, you know, one a four star or a three star. And there's real life to this. There's money that, co- you know, costs yeah. to go to camps. You have to travel and get to camps. It's not not everything is, uh, you know, sometimes I think we have these illusions of, you know, the it's big NIL money and all that. And sometimes it's, just, you know, we got to get kids to these places. You got to get them seen. They've got to. They've got to be able to find transportation, all that stuff, the the human element behind it. And I think yeah. that's really cool how what Dream does. I think it's really cool what, what Warren Academy does to work with these kids and try to build them kind of holistically, you know, not yeah. just physically, but also, you know, prepare them for it. I think something that's interesting today, um, you know, Cade McIntyre from Fremont, he got in Oklahoma or he committed to Oklahoma. Yeah. So that's a second kid in two years from the state of Nebraska that's going to Oklahoma. We've had, you know, Iowa come in here. We've had Oregon. You know, coaches aren't afraid to come into Nebraska now, and there's a lot of coaches. Yeah. And I look at that, quite honestly, personally, I think that's – I think it's good. I mean, it's, I yeah. want Nebraska kids pursued, and I want them to come to Nebraska if at all possible. But but I love the fact that, you know, schools aren't shying away because the talent is here. I want the talent to be to be identified. So um, I think it's I think it's a great thing that, that – Warren Academy seems like it's come at the right time because the talent mm. is here and it needs, it needs organizations like the Warren Academy to help, help get those kids recognized and developed to, to get to the point where they're getting those offers. So that's really mm. cool. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing to see the amount of colleges that are in here now. It'd be, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Husker. So it'd be nice for us to, you know, to, to draw a line around our borders and, you know, lock these kids in here and get them to Nebraska. But um at the same time, the um, Warren Academy dream side of me, the uh, the person that's here to help, you know, uh, to help guide kids and give them the advice, we're not um, uh, we're not really sold on them just going to Nebraska. We want them to go to the best place that it's good for them and their family. Now we hope they go to Nebraska. Uh, we hope mm-hmm. they would all stay at Nebraska, but at the same time, we're going to support them. Um, wherever they go, because it's it's their lives to live. Um, it's their decision. They have to play there. They have to do the things. They have to go to school. They have to be um, away from their families or with their families. And, you know, it's, it's, it's their decision. So whatever their decision is, we're there to support them. Um, but at the same time, you know, being a, a Nebraska guy, it would be nice to see, you know, some of those guys stay home and help <laughs> us get, get on the right track. But um, if they don't, you know, we're going to cheer for them either way. We've had a lot of guys – um, that have left Noah Fant and Harrison Phelps were two of two of our guys that trained with mm-hmm. us growing up and coming through here. And of course, we know where they're at right now in the NFL and what they've done and um, what they're going to continue to do. So, you know, there's opportunities besides Nebraska, but, you know, sometimes it would be nice to see these guys just say we're, we're staying home. Yeah. Hey, hey, we're a Nebraska podcast. That's I mean, that's what yeah. we want to see, too, you know. Um, do some of those guys, do they come back? Are they alumni of the the Warren Academy? Will they come back oh, yeah. with Vance and Phillips and help out? How does that? Yeah. So they're, they're all alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're all guys that come back. And like I said, Devin was, Jackson was in the day and talking to some of our kids and Noah comes back and works with us and does things when he's in town. If he needs a place to work out, he'll call and, um, you know, we'll open up the doors. Harrison Phillips is back all the time and doing things. Um, so we try to stay very connected with our guys and, and um, make sure that they know they're always welcome um, and that we're here for them if, if, if they need us. Mm-hmm. 
Rob, do we have any other questions right now before uh, we move into? Okay. We do. As a matter of fact, Osborne had every coach in the state developing kids to fit the program for several decades. Do you see that same thing starting to cascade through the state with Scott Frost at head coach? That's what Brad Richards is asking. Um, I, I would say that I don't know if he had every coach in the state developing the kids for the program. It's one of those things that um, what the college team does, and you'll find this pretty much everywhere. Um, what the college team does trickles down to what the high school level is doing. Um, and that's pretty much in every state. Um, if, if the ma- the major college team is running the spread, most high school teams in the state are going to start running the spread. If they're running the option, most high school teams in the state are going to start running the option. So um, the one thing I think that was happening a little bit before, Scott, is that the, the game changed so much into a, into a vertical threat and more of a passing game. Um, I would say now that um, I see the trend being the same, you know, like what they're trying to do down in Lincoln. But um, at the same time, the games, the games evolved and it was evolving already before Scott got here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that now we're seeing, you know, what what looks what what looks like football everywhere. Um, you know, you're 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 having guys that are that are wanting to throw the ball all around the field. And the run game is still, uh, you know, a part of the game, but it's not the part of the game now. Um, now where you got receivers and tight ends that are doing amazing things on the outside and quarterbacks that can throw the ball all over the field. So uh, the one thing I wish that would catch up um, is defense. You know, I wish I wish defense would catch up. Now you see every kid now wants to play receiver, um, mm-hmm. but somebody's got to guard those guys. Um, so I wish more kids would take a defensive mindset um, and want to play defensive back or play outside linebacker. Um, or rush the passer, you know, the, the lineman is still always kind of going to be the same big guys are big guys. But as far as like the, the, the skill position goes, I wish the defensive players um, in this state, particularly, I wish more people would, would focus on the defensive side of the ball because there's a lot of opportunity um, for kids to play defensive back right now. And it's not um, being taken advantage of advantage of in our state by our high school athletes. It's interesting that you say that too, because I just sent my son to a football camp uh, a couple of weeks ago and um, he wants to be a wide receiver, but at the camp, if you signed up as a wide receiver, you also had to learn the defensive back. So they had you matching up. So, I mean, there was a lot of one-on-one drills going on and you had to learn and they weren't just saying, okay, line up against this guy. They were teaching him, you know, like, okay, if he goes outside, you use your right hand. If you go inside, you use your left hand, like forcing guys off, off of their, their route, things like that, like everything, like forcing them out of bounds on their route. So they were teaching them both sides of the ball on that and how to counter it on, on say, so that, I mean, it'd be nice. You're right. If, if they could just teach that anyway, because you never know which side they're going to really excel at, no matter what they want to be doing. So no, you know, the, the, there's, there's only one football um, on the field. Um, <laughs> you know, there's four or five receivers, you know, out there at a time sometimes. So, somebody's got to guard those guys and there's there's scholarship money and nil money for defensive backs too um so it's it's uh we see it all the time with our seven on seven program when we have tryouts we have 90 receivers and 20 defensive backs yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's funny oh sorry I, i'm kind of breaking up here so i no, apologize okay. i didn't mean to cut you off but yeah it's kind of funny because i i told my son too i said well you should get used to playing defensive back because the fact of the matter is is that 99% of the quarterbacks out, out there are not Peyton Manning. So chances yeah. are you'll be catching more passes from them than you would your own quarterback. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I, 
hopefully that catches up. But the trend is the same everywhere. Like we went to, I took my son, he's a seventh grader. So we took him to a camp in Chicago just to give him, you know, some exposure of what it looks like outside of the state of Nebraska competition wise. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing there. Like the camp was um, a national camp that traveled the country, but they didn't figure it out any better than anybody else has. Again, there was 40 receivers and, and 18 defensive backs. Um, but there was a lot of guys in that receiver group that were really defensive backs, but they want to be receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to hurt kids, you know, in the long run, unless you have a, if, unless you're lucky enough to have a college coach or a recruiter to be able to see what you can be um, kids stick themselves on one side of the ball and they'll cut off their opportunities to play at the next level because they're not being seen at what their skill set really um, is probably better suited for. Um, so that's the one thing I wish, um, you know, we can't do anything about anywhere else, but that's the one thing here that we're trying to, you know, uh, encourage more kids to play defense um, hmm. because they're, they're, there's a lot of opportunity for defensive players out there right now. Um, and there's coaches, we talk to coaches all the time that are looking for defensive backs um, that are 6'1 and 6'2 to help, you know, guard these big rangy receivers out there now. And there's kids that can do it, um, mm-hmm. but they just have to take the mindset of, you know, I want to be a defensive player. That's interesting. I mean, that that almost takes me back to like the early 80s, how they used to recruit. I can remember McBride talking about like we would recruit six running backs and the three that couldn't yeah. make it, they would just move them to defense. But it wasn't like back. guys weren't getting recruited defensively first. They were getting recruited for, you know, the offensive skill and then but the idea and then that started switching kind of in the 90s is that you get some real deal you know defensive guys and you think about those Miami yeah. and those Florida State defenses and that's yeah. what we started building ours around and that's you know where we started recruiting guys like you and and getting you know oh my gosh I mean the amount of all conference and all American defensive players that we had you know great talent and great skill um you know uh I, I coached for about 18 years, youth football in Lincoln, which was like fifth through eighth grade. They didn't have junior high football in Lincoln. And so I would go to those coaches clinics every spring from the last year of Solich all the way to the second year of Frost right before COVID. And then uh, that's the the last one I went to, but those spring ones, you know, you asked Rob about, you know, did we, or actually the, the viewer was asking about, does do the, the schools copy what Nebraska ran? And I think, in some ways they kind of used to when it was very consistent, when it was Osborne and even Solich, but man, once it got to Callahan and then the, the offenses switched and then mm-hmm. you bring in Bo and then, then you go to Riley. And by that time, I mean, everyone's kind of running their own thing and it's a lot more, you know, Nebraska high school football. Now what you see offensively is so wide, you know, spread now anymore. I mean, it used to be yeah. when I was playing and I say playing as a, a very, I went to Columbus Scotas and, I was not a uh, starter. We'll just put it that way. But back in my day, I mean, you, you might have one team on the schedule that throws the ball. You know, I mean, it yeah. was we ran a six-two, and we had three defenses: outside, middle, inside. That was about it. And we won a, <laughs> we won a state championship doing that, right? Um, you know, the the amount of offenses that are out there now, the amount of uh, you know the different styles. I mean, it's it's really impressive. It's it's totally changed the game. Um, I have a question. You talked about. Uh, going to like a Chicago uh, yeah. camp, I guess going to that, is that an eye-opening experience for your son? Was it an eye-opening experience for you? Like, are you going there and just being wowed by all this talent? Are you going there and saying, eh, you know what, the the camp that we went to in Omaha, you know, it's not that much different anymore. Cause it, it used to be yeah. kids had to go, they had to get to St. Louis. They had to get out of here 
to get yeah. seen and be around, you know, be around great talent. But is that gap narrowing now? I, you know, the one thing I think it, it has narrowed, like we didn't, we weren't wowed by the athletes in Chicago, but we had been there, you know, to St. Louis this year to play seven on seven and seen a lot mm-hmm. of that Chicago talent come down there and play against us. So it wasn't anything that we hadn't seen already this year. It was just a different environment that I wanted to put him in from a training standpoint. Um, I think the one thing that my son learned um, that I that I was happy that he learned that he learned that a lot of the game is rigged, right? Like that that recruiting, even the recruiting side of it, um, and the um, ranking side of it, a lot of it is not real. Um, you know, there's there's things that happen in the recruiting world and the ranking world um, that are you know pretty pretty messed up that and it's pretty politically driven a lot of times. Um, Zane Flores, right? Didn't have an offer going into, you know, this, this summer, um, and then blew up out of nowhere. And he's an elite 11 quarterback now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's been that good for two years. Um, he, he's, he hasn't, he hasn't changed who he is or anything. And he's been, um, that same kid and been that good. Um, and we were sitting around as a staff, like, when is it? we know it's going to happen, but what's taking so long. Right. But a lot of it is just because you've got these guys out here that can push the agenda, especially at the quarterback position. And my son plays quarterback, unfortunately, um, especially at the quarterback position. It's, it's, it's really um, a rigged game when it comes to that. And the kids that are, you know, getting mm-hmm. pushed to the front all the time, aren't the best kids, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, so my son actually saw that, um, uh, in the camp, you know, there was, there was a kid that was picked as a camp MVP and he had been training with the coach for the last mm-hmm. however many years. And he wasn't very good, um, but it, he was picked as a camp MVP. So it was one of those things that my son and the other two kids that we took were like, wow, like this is, this is how it works. Huh? And, it, and that was good for, it was a good lesson for them to learn. Well, he and tried that, really hard. He tried yeah, really it, hard. So it, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's not really um, these rankings and kids getting these offers in eighth grade and ninth grade. None of it really matters um, because it doesn't really matter till it gets real when they're 11th, 12th grade. And a lot of these offers that kids are getting right now, they can't commit. Um, so a committable offer versus not yeah, committable. They're non yeah. committal. They're non committal. A lot of them are non committal and they're, they're like popularity things. Um, so it's a good can you, can, for kids can you explain? That. Yeah, can you explain what that means? I mean, I, we've heard that before, and I, but we've had questions to us, and I don't always know how to answer that. What's a committable and a non-committable? I and mean, it doesn't make sense. To it, me it's, it's basically like there's probably there's a lot of kids out there right now that have offers that if they wanted to call the coach today and say, "Hey, I want to commit," they wouldn't allow them to commit um, because it's an offer that basically says, "Hey, we think you're going to be good, and because you're kind of highly ranked." Um, or you have some clout behind you, it's a good look for us to offer you. But I'm not going to lose my job if you if, if an eighth grader commits that hadn't played a down of high school football, right? Mm-hmm. Like that does that does that that's not really going to happen. Like kids that haven't played any varsity snaps, most of those kids can't commit. Most of those kids cannot commit because most coaches will lose their jobs if they start signing kids that haven't played any varsity snaps because a lot of those kids aren't going to pan out when it comes to playing varsity football. Um, some of them will, some of them won't. So it's like a bet, right? You're kind of hedging yourself. 
um, as a coach and as a recruiter is saying, okay, if this kid does pan out, then we were, we were there first. If he doesn't you didn't lose anything, right. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, you pull the offer, you move on. We've, we're, we're offering 20 other kids anyway at the same position. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot to the game that goes there. And then a committable offer is just what it sounds like. Like these kids um, can commit. You know, they've got solid tape. They've been to camp. Um, they've played some varsity snaps. Um, those offers are real, right? And then the kids um, that are younger, those are offers that, that they can't really commit to those offers. It's just really something that the coaches are doing to kind of hedge their bet a little bit. Well, you said something interesting too, and it kind of brings me back to an interview that I did with uh, Chancellor Brewington the other day. And he was talking about his experience with recruiting because he didn't even start playing high school football till his junior year, right? He yeah. was, he's actually a baseball guy, he was saying, because um, his dad was a baseball guy of mm-hmm. pitched for the Giants and whatnot in the majors. And uh, he had said that a bunch of schools started coming to him and giving him offers. A lot of, uh, I think they were whack schools. Mountain or West. Or ones Mountain said, West. Yeah. yeah. Mountain West. Mm-hmm. And that he didn't really understand the recruiting process all that much. And then when he finally went back to some of the coaches to be like, yeah, I'm interested. They were like, Oh, well we hadn't talked to you in so long that we filled your spot with a junior college yeah. guy, or we filled yeah. your spot with this other kid. And he's like, he, and so when you say that recruiting and all of these rankings are kind of a mirage, it's, that was actually kind of, that's where it clicked in my head that like, yeah, this is making sense where all these schools, they'll start throwing out offers, but just cause they're offering doesn't mean that these kids really get to go to these schools. Right. Like sometimes yeah. they're just putting offers up because they want to block another school maybe from, yeah. from doing it or something along those lines. And it's, that's such an interesting it's it's almost evil in a weird way and it makes me want to support nil even more so yeah it's it's <laughs> a it's an odd game you know it's um the recruiting world is is changed drastically in the last two years and though and even now like today with nil everything's changed and we everybody saw the saving and uh the saving in prime time and and uh, and jimbo jimbo uh, yeah that whole you know, they, they saw that a few weeks ago and, and um, you know, it's the NIL money is going to make it even more, you know, difficult to really know what's going on um, and what's really happening. But a lot of those kids, those NIL kids that are getting that big time money, those kids are the kids that can commit anywhere, anytime they want to. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, those are the those are the four and five star kids that that are, um, you know, that are out there that are that are doing things. Um, but it's it's a it's a I don't even understand it sometimes to tell you the truth like we have uh several quarterbacks right now that are very good quarterbacks Daniel Kalen is one of our quarterbacks and Braylon Camrad um Cole Payton's a kid that that, that came that, that trains with us um mm-hmm. Nate Glantz that's at Iowa State now like our quarterbacks in the last five years that have come through Warren Academy um if they won a state title here they were a Warren Academy quarterback or their mm-hmm. alumni um and some of those guys have gotten zero love when other guys um, have gotten love and they're great quarterbacks and you just don't understand it. And then we've had, you know, linebackers and linemen that have, you know, for us that look like no brainers and, and, and people just haven't jumped. Um, so sometimes it's mm-hmm. just what coaches are looking for and what recruiters are looking for. Sometimes it's um, even this happens with Nebraska, like I'm and like, Cole Payton should have been a guy that probably should have had a Nebraska offer um, when they found out about him late. Um, 
they found out about him late. So it's it's some of it is coaches feeling pressure to have to offer kids, like you say, to block other schools um, because they don't want it to 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 look bad on them if they don't offer a kid, and that kid pans out and goes to a different school or leaves the state. So it's there's a lot that plays into the recruiting side of it, and it's all not because we really want a kid. It's because it's you know optics a lot of times too. But you know, you mentioned a number of quarterbacks there, and you eventually, at some point, you'd think you, that you know the Warren Academy would you start to build this reputation of hey, you're sending kids to the next level at that spot. You know, mm-hmm. I think back to like you know Penn State as linebacker you or Nebraska was running back you. You know, you build this reputation, and the next level will start to look at that and say hey, you know that they're producing them. So you just you just rattled off four or five quarterbacks. And I think about someone like Flores as an example, or or Peyton uh, Cole also that that you said there that you know some sometimes will be late to the game and and I and we say that and I know there's going to be someone watching going how how are we late to find out about these kids why why does it take so long to find out about you know Zane Flores or some you know whoever it is I don't just want you know, he's the the one big name one this year that Nebraska yeah. didn't offer and he and he got out but. You know how? Why does it take so long? Or, or what can what can you guys do on your end to help get you know publicity, not just to Nebraska again, to anybody? Mm-hmm. You know how do you get publicity out to these kids that that really need it? Uh, you know we do reach out to coaches. Um, that is one thing that we do if we feel like a kid is, um, you know, he, he, capable of playing at the next level. Um, we do reach out to coaches and we do send you know, information out about the kids say, Hey, you may just want to watch, you know, out for this kid. Um, a lot of times the coaches kind of already know about the kid. And again, it turns, it comes down to system and what they already have in their rooms. A lot of time, if they need the kid or not. Um, and then there's the no brainer talents that it doesn't matter who's in their room. They're going to offer the kid anyway. Mm-hmm. The one thing that hurts Nebraska the most that is starting to change is, um, the competition level hasn't always been perceived as being the greatest, but now um, with the number of kids that are going on to power five um, conferences and Mm -hmm. not just going on and getting scholarships, but going on and being good players, that makes a difference. Like signing, you know, the one thing that'll hurt Nebraska more than anything is all these kids get out and go to all these colleges and they are bust because coaches will not recruit the area anymore if they hadn't had success with good players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back to my era of playing is um, Nebraska had, you know, just, just in our region had so many guys that they got out of Missouri that panned out um, that turned into really good players that were around the areas that we could. So they kept coming back, right? Like mm-hmm. cause they knew the kids that were playing, you know, in those areas could play. Um, so that's the one thing that will hurt this area is if these kids now that are getting offers that are leaving the state um, don't pan out, um, they won't co- – the coaches won't keep coming back here. Um, so mm-hmm. these kids have to go and be successful for it to keep working here because um, otherwise they'll shut the doors and say, well, those kids, we signed two kids from there and they didn't – they couldn't play. Um, mm-hmm. So a coach won't go back there because at the end of the day, that coach's job depends on – him recruiting players that can come in and contribute and help them win games. And if players can't come in and do that, they'll shut the door on the areas that aren't helping them get to that level. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen. You know, a lot of the guys that we work with, we feel like can go and play on the next level and we'll reach out to coaches. And um, several of my coaches are, are 
close with recruiters or, or coaches in different places, and, and we have conversations all the time. Yeah. Well, and as you're reaching out, feel free to always use Scott's number first. You know, put yeah. him on speed <laughs> dial number one. Then yeah, yeah, and then you know you can fan out from there. But yeah, let's uh but believe let's call me, Lincoln. We've, sent, we've sent um we've sent our fair share of messages down to Lincoln to the different coaches down there and said you should you should look at these kids. Um so they get they get as many calls as anybody else does. They get <laughs> they get they get the first right of refusal. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Lincoln for a second. Let's go. Let, this is where we're going to transition away from talking about recruiting and all that right now. Let's talk about your days back in, okay. in Nebraska. And like I said, you played from 96 to 99. You were second team All-American in 99. You were first team All-Conference guy then. Um, talking about recruiting, what was the recruiting process like for you coming out of Springfield? Kickapoo High School, is that correct? Kickapoo Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs. Who was uh who was well, maybe your, they uh, might have to change that now? I don't know. I think that, oh, I think I heard they're changing. That's a different conversation, but yeah, that's that, that we, sounds like we a name were, that probably yeah, yeah, we were the Chiefs. The Chiefs. <laughs> who um who would have been your recruiting coach? I guess coach was Brown. there someone that had your region or Coach Brown Coach Brown recruited me. Okay, um, Ron Brown, did you? Yep, and he's still a guy that's around and I see him and talk to him all the time when I'm back and my daughter's actually working for the athletic department now. She's on the, she's uh, filming practices and games. She's a freshman down there. So um, we were back for the spring game and coach Brown and her, you know, had a good conversation and I introduced him because he had seen her around and thought she looked familiar, but didn't know. But so he was my recruiter and somebody that's, um, you know, that, that, that's that we think very highly of in our household. So um, he was the guy, still the guy. You know, uh, you, you mentioned earlier how, and I'm guessing he did a lot in Missouri regionally then, yeah. but that Missouri was a, a major state for us. And you hear fans right now say, we've got to get back to St. Louis and we got to get back into to KC. And, and we do. But Missouri yeah. back then, I mean, you were from Springfield. The, the Listerns were Webb City. Mike yeah. Rucker was, you know, uh, St. Joseph, you know. I mean, yeah. so it was all around that state that that was really a major producer for us. And I think it was the – um Gosh, it was the the sack on Corby Jones at the end of that uh, ninety seven game. So I say three of the guys on the D line, two or three of the guys on the D line were, were Missouri guys because I think it was Rucker and Wistrom at least converged on them. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I mean, so uh, the, yeah, the, to get back into into that area, but that that's interesting. So you get recruited by Brown by Ron Brown, and then so you come to Lincoln, and now you're not playing for the the recruiting coach; you're playing for uh McBride would have been the, the defensive line coach, right? Yeah. So yeah. what was that like? You know, what was Coach McBride like as a position coach, as a coordinator? Uh Coach McBride, <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing about Coach McBride is he was um and anybody that's been around him knows that he is he he is full of fire. Um and he, he doesn't hold his tongue and he says what he is on his mind. Um the one thing I always loved and respect about Coach McBride even to this day, we talk all the time and he tells you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. Um, and that's one thing I've kind of prided myself on doing because it's made such a huge difference and impact in my life that if I've got somebody that I know is telling me the truth, whether it hurts my feelings. That, um, you guys still there? I got to have a little. Yep. Uh, whether it hurts my feelings or, or, or builds me up that. um you know, I'm going to, we're, we're going to say it or we're going to have that conversation anyway. And that's the kind of coach he was, but you knew it was coming from a place of love um, and not 
a place of him trying to tear you down and just be evil. It was coming from a place that he wanted to build you up, but in order to build you up, he had to tell you what your faults were or what your good things were um, that, that was good about you. So just, just a great man, somebody that, um, you know, that I, that I love and uh, is very near and dear to, to me. And um, one of the greatest coaches I say in college football history, um, you know, coach Osborne gets a lot of, a lot of praise as he should um, for the winning that was done um, when those guys were around, but coach McBride should be just as high in regard, in my opinion, because defensively he was our head coach. Um, Mm -hmm. That was, that was our leader. Coach, coach Osborne was our overall leader, but defensively that was the guy that, that stirred, that was the guy that stirred the drink. He was the straw that stirred the drink. So for me, coach McBride, um, he's the man. He is the man. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the Osborne got there or took over in 73. McBride got there in 77. He was the right-hand man. He was the defensive yeah. guy for, for the last 20 years there. And, uh, yeah, you think about – I love the way that play, former players will talk about him. And it's it's everything you just said there. This guy will – he'll be as hard on you as anyone, but then he'll turn around and he'll love you at the end of the day too, you know, and, yeah. and be able to do both. Um, actually, Rob, when you talked with Chancellor Brewington a, a week or so ago, he talked and said some of the exact same things about Sean Becton, and it made me think the exact same. It made me think of McBride actually as he was talking about Becton because it was this, you know, he he'll be meticulous and he'll 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 let you know everything you did wrong and all that, but man, at the, he'll never let you walk away at the end of the day without giving you a hug and telling yeah. you he loves you too. And so that's that's a a great coach there. You know, next to me, I've got the. Uh, the oh, 99 media guide, media guide. And you were there during a very special time of Husker football. I mean, 96, yeah. when we talked to Damon Benning, you know, and that was Damon's senior year, um, that, that team went 11 and two and nobody, you know, and that they don't get any of the credit because they're in the middle of all these undefeated teams. Yeah. Right. So there's an 11 and two team. Obviously <laughs> you had two starts on the 1997 national championship team. You, yeah. you played quite a bit there. You had eight starts in 98 and that there's a transition year. Solich's first season. That 99 season, though, that is, for, for the Redcasters are too young to remember that, what an unbelievable team that was. I mean, if, yeah. if we just have maybe seven less fumbles in one game against Texas, you yeah. know, it, was, it, was, it was ridiculous. But if we just don't have those fumbles, you know, that one game, very close loss. I mean, that team went, I think, 12-1 and one in that Tennessee game, the final game of Coach McBride at Nebraska. Yeah. That was such an impressive team and, and great players. You were on it, the Brown uh, Ralph and Mike, I mean, uh, Carlos Polk, I, you can go down the list, Vandenbosch. I mean, yeah. it was just a great group of guys. Kelsey, I mean, yeah. Kelsey, oh, yeah, the Kelseys. I mean, talk of – man, the amount of guys, Jason Wilts, the guys that you played with on the D-line alone in your four years. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm rambling here. Just tell me about your four years. <laughs> what was it like to it be was, there during that time? <laughs> this is how I explain how it came in as my first – I love to tell this story. My first full pad practice um, – as a freshman and we're doing inside run and, you know, I'm a defensive tackle nose guard. I've got the a gap. Um, that's my responsibility is to shut that down. And all I knew is the ball was snapped and I saw like a red missile fly through the a gap. I'd never seen anything in my life move that fast through the hole. It was a mind green. Uh, I'd never, I'd never in my life seen a human being move that fast on a football field. 
And that was my very first full padded practice. So right then I knew like, whoa, this is, these are some, these are some different type of cats. <laughs> like <these aren't, laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not back in Springfield, Missouri anymore. Like this is, this is different. There's, there's 200 of me out here, right? There's mm-hmm. every, everywhere there's, there's a dude that can make things happen in a very big way. Big, big people moving fast. Um, it, I caught up pretty fast to the speed of the game. You know, luckily I didn't redshirt as a freshman. I played some as a freshman. Um, so, but that was like my eye opening. That was like my moment of like, whoa. Like this who, who was blocking you on the offensive line on that play? Uh, Aaron Taylor. Aaron Taylor, Hoskinson, or Heskew. Um, I was, I, I was hoping you'd bring up Heskew because he's a yeah. he's a we'll call him an acquaintance of ours. That, yeah, um, so it was either one of those three, and you know I'm talking about three great centers and three great guards and guys that could play like. Um, so I had to deal with those guys, and then I had to deal with Dominic Riola coming in after that. <laughs> so you know, practice practice was a lot was a lot harder than games. Um, and that was the difference in our teams. Like we got into games and it was so easy because the amount of mm-hmm. talent on our team, um, and the battles that we had, the battles that we had one-on-one, um, with the guy across from us, were the best players in the country, right? At those positions. So once we got to the game, it was easy because you weren't playing, mm-hmm. you weren't playing Outland Trophy winners. You know, I had two Outland, you know, I had two Outlands that I went against in my four years, right? Ryola and Taylor, right? So mm-hmm. you you weren't you weren't playing against those guys every week, but every day in practice you were going against them. So it was it was it was different. It was different. And you know, I, I do have faith that one day Nebraska will get back there. We don't know when it'll happen, but I have faith that it will happen. Um and I have faith that the borders will get locked down in one of these classes that will get, you know, 12 of these guys to say, hey, we're staying home. And we're gonna we're gonna build this thing back the right way, uh, but until that time, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing at Warren Academy to send out quality talent to help build up, you know, the state and the kids around here. Well, the, one of the cool things too about this particular year that I that I like because I didn't know this before, but uh, Brewington he was actually recruited by Nebraska kind of last minute, and he said the reason why he didn't come was because he didn't know the guy, so he went to Northern mm-hmm. Arizona first. Right. But then ended up coming to Nebraska and he was always had his eye on on the school. So that's kind of cool because we ended up getting a guy who was developed by an, you know, FCS school. And now he's yeah. going to come play for us. And and God willing, he he's his injuries are all done. He says that he's going to play this year. So that's great. And then the other kid is a homegrown kid that that's back who also played FCS was Kevin Williams, Jr. Right. Yeah. And he's an Omaha kid. Um, yeah. I'm sure you, you probably know his family. You've probably yeah. been around him a little bit. And. So those are two guys that wanted to be Nebraska kids that are Nebraska kids now, right? And and they've got it right. And that's going to be – for me, that's the kind of culture that I like seeing built already, yeah. right? Like isn't that kind of what we're talking about, right? So you, and, and, I'm, and I'm just putting this together, and this is just me, you know, kind of looking at what we've got coming in. And I don't look at what we lose because we lo- we're going to always lose guys, right? Yeah. That's, that's just going to be the way it happens. Um, whether it's because of the system or because like the kid we lost today, apparently his parents are huge Oklahoma fans. Like how do you, you can't compete with that, right? Like mm-hmm. kid get, he's probably been rooting for Oklahoma his whole life in reality. Yeah. So now he's going to go play for Oklahoma. So, I mean, that's just one of those things that when I start seeing the culture personally, and I'm, I'm really going to ask for your opinion here, I'm seeing a difference 
in the way that this team is approaching this year, especially with the new coaches. How, what's your opinion on that? Like you, you've been a part of a winning program. So what are you seeing going on right now? I don't care about the last yeah. four years. What are you seeing right now? Yeah, I, I see, you know, guys that are looking at Nebraska more than they would have probably in the past. Um, what it seems like this, this is the hard part about being in Nebraska for me though. Um from a media perspective, and we're, we're all do different things in the media, including myself. Um, recruiting in Nebraska has always been blown up more than, especially in this past 10, 15 years, like every kid that's committed has always been the best kid ever in the country, right? So you don't really get a real view because when a kid gets here and he's like, wait, this kid can't play, right? <laughs> like, all I heard was how great this kid was and He's terrible, right? Like, so that's the hard part is knowing where that line is at now because there is so much excitement about the new coaches, mm. um, the new players transferring in, how much of it is going to stick and be the truth. Mm. Like, how, how good are these kids really going to be when they get here? Um, that's the hard part for me. So i am always been, um, and especially lately and especially the last 10 years, I've kind of adopted that I kind of turn my ears off in the off season. Hmm. Like I kind of, I kind of don't pay attention to a lot to what's going on in the off season, because at the end of the day, for me as a former player and alumni, all that matters is what happens on Saturday in September. Hmm. Um, that's, that's what's going to tell me if what work was done in the off season, how much development was done, how much learning, um, how much the players bonded, um, what type of chemistry they have, you can't fake it on Saturday when the live bullets start flying. You can say anything you want to say in July and June and March and April when you're training, and you can make it all sound good and spin it. But in in the fall, when it really starts going down, you can't fake it. Um, so for me, I've kind of I've kind of turned my ears off to a lot of the recruiting hype, and I couldn't really tell you a lot of kids that are coming in. A lot of kids and where they come from, because for me, it's okay. Right now it's prove it. Prove for me. Well, you me. know, you, uh, you were one of only six guys to play as a true freshman in 96. So, mm -hmm. I mean, and that was, again, you know, think of the time that you were at to play as a true freshman, especially on the D line. I mean, that's, that's almost unheard of. Right. But how about this? If you, when you got recruited, see, when I used to pay attention to recruiting back in the mid nineties, it was just, I opened up a newspaper and, yeah. you know, oh my gosh, it announced that we got some, yeah. It announced that we got some kid. I've never heard of him before. This is yeah. the first I've ever heard. And he's in our recruiting class. And that's how it worked back then. Now we know about kids coming out of the eighth grade, right? Yeah. It, assign yourself a star ranking coming out of high school. Were you, um, would you have said you were a three-star were you a four star? Were you a five star? I mean, you're a kid. What, no matter what the star was, you came in and played right away. And, and so this is the prove it point. But what were you as a recruit, do you think? I, I've always thought I was, you know, just who that the era of guys we played with, we always thought we were the best. Right. Like mm -hmm. we always thought we were we were the best players in the country. Right. Coming in. So um, I would have loved to believe I was a five star. I probably would have been a three star just because of my height. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the area of the country I came from, I think that that would have, from a recruiting and ranking standpoint from the people who ever do that, mm -hmm. um, I think that that would have been the things that they would have you know, held against me. I would have been probably a three or mm -hmm. a four star, depending on, you know, what was going on. But 
um, in my mind, I've I've always been a five star, right? I've always been the, I've always been one of the best players um, on the field anytime that the whistle was blown. I um, I love the best player at the position playing. I love game. I love that answer. I mean, that is that's a 1990s answer because the the reality is a lot of those recruiting classes back then, and it's revisionist history where we come back and go, oh man, we just went into Florida and California and just you know all these five stars. Uh-uh, it wasn't like that. It was a you know, but Terry Keneally was a was a eight man football player from Iannis, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And and and, you know, he'd be lining up next to Christian Peter from, you know, New Jersey. But it was I mean, it was a, a hodgepodge of guys. But you get occasional five star Amon Greens and all that. But yeah. for the most part, you're bringing in kids that are 500 mile radius guys probably would have been, you know, the, the quote unquote three stars. But they came in with yeah. five star mentalities, man. And again, yeah, you can yeah, and, and and I think to what you said earlier, at the end of the day, who cares what star you were? You came in and yeah. you proved it, and you got on the field immediately. Didn't even redshirt. I mean, that's we need guys that that have that kind of mentality coming in. I don't care what their ranking is; they just need to come in with the right, right mentality. I didn't. I would. I there's things that I've been told about like my own recruiting and um, that I didn't know until five, ten years ago. I didn't know that I was like blue chip regional player of the year, like. I didn't know those things. Like I didn't know like mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the ranking wise, I was, you know, ninth best player in the Midwest or I didn't know any of those things. Yeah. I saw some super prep magazine, super prep magazine had you like number nine. Yeah. So like, I didn't know those things growing up. Like we didn't, it wasn't the ranking didn't matter as much then as mm-hmm. the offer. Now the ranking means more than the offer. And that's where the mm-hmm. game is flipped on its head is kids care more about the star then they care about the offer of what's mm. going on. So it's, it's now ranking is everything. And a lot of it is not real. Um, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that goes on with the rankings that kids are getting ranked higher than kids. If you're from California, you're going to get a higher ranking than a kid from South Dakota. Just is what it is because the competition mm-hmm. level you play. You might not be a better player. In most, most cases, you're not. Um, but it's because of where you're from and who you're around and that gets your ranking boosted. Um, and that's what happens to guys in Nebraska is like, they have to go out on these circuits and prove that they're just as good as everybody else because they're from Nebraska. If they were in, if Zane Flores was in, if Zane Flores was in Texas, he'd be a top five quarterback in the country. Yeah. No doubt. Harrison no, Phillips should have been Harrison Phillips should have been in Nebraska. They ended up having to go out to California to to, to yeah. get to camp. Harrison Phillips, Harrison Phillips, if he was coming out of if he was coming out of Texas or Florida or um California, would have been a four or five star athlete. Um, but because of where we're at in the region, and because it's not the most populated place and it's not historically the best football. Um, being played across the country by somebody that really doesn't know football or never played the game. That's the problem that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's its its just somebody that's ranking kids based off of region and what they look like in gym shorts instead of what they play like in pads. Um, and there's a lot of gym short All-Americans that go around to these camps and make a name for themselves, but you never see them in pads doing much. Yeah, and so that's for me when it comes to recruiting now. I'm like, ah, it's it's all fluff. Um, it, it's a lot of fluff. It really is, and so that's why I don't really pay attention to um, 
this kid or that kid coming out of where they're coming out of because a lot of it is fluff and it's blown out of proportion and um, all these kids aren't great. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of five stars that are really two stars and there's a lot of two stars that are probably five stars. Um, mm. and that's just the reality of it. And when you get to the NFL, you see that guys are coming from all over um, Division twos and FCS level and they're becoming stars in the NFL. And it wasn't because they weren't stars in high school it was because of where they grew up or they hadn't hit a growth spurt yet. And so some guy, you know, didn't know if they could be 250 when they were only 195. Um, so it's, it's a lot that goes into it that mm-hmm. people should, it, it's fun. It's great to read. Um, but I wouldn't put my life insurance on it. I would just tell you that. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to put my family's, my family's uh, uh, future on recruiting um, right. and the truth behind recruiting. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I just the, the, some of the words you've used tonight, not real fluff, committable, not committable. I mean, so much of it is a game and recruiting. It's a necessary evil. You got to recruit, obviously. But at the end of the day, I, 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 I'm so in line with what you're saying. I, I don't get deep into, you know, what's this kid? Is this kid committing that's coming here this weekend and all that? I mean, I go to these mm-hmm. camps sometimes and I watch them and I'm like, this isn't even football. I mean, it's these guys yeah. are running around and they, they're great athletes. Don't get me wrong. And that's a nice catch and a nice throw. But I'm a I'm a I'm a full pad guy and practice guy. I yeah. mean, I want to and you're not seeing a lot of that anymore either. So that that this is the uh, get off my lawn. I'm the old guy, you know, saying this <laughs> stuff now. But uh, well, it's 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 it is. There's a lot of that goes into now these camps. Um. And we're no different. I can't, I, you know, I'm not on a, a soapbox here. I've got guys that, that that I feel like are great players that I meet and I meet them in sweatpants and I'm like, oh, I want to see you with pads on. Like, <laughs> you know, and that's for us too. Um, we don't really promote kids based on what we see in sweatpants. Sweatpants is what sweatpants gives us. Okay. Put him on this list. Athletically, he's a division two kid. He's a division one kid. Um, potentially he's this K coach. This is what we see athletically. We haven't seen him in pads, so we can't tell you if he's that because a lot of kids look like Tarzan and play like Jay. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's just what it is. Like there's, there's a lot of kids that you get them in shorts and they're the fastest kid on the field and they jump the highest and they run, they run through walls and they run through bags like madmen. and you put them in pads and like, wait a minute, where'd this kid go? Like this, this kid not tough at all. Like the things that really matter in football, toughness and grit, mm-hmm. um, you don't see that anymore when you put a lot of these kids in pads. So um, those kids, when we meet them and they're in sweats, we don't really put them on a list um, to say, hey, this kid's a no brainer till we see him in pads and we know what they can do in pads. But, you know, we, we promote kids um, that deserve it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, this, is, this has been a fun talk and I, I think there's, I'm so I love what you're doing with the Warren Academy. I think it's great. I think you have a lot of wisdom that is is really good for these the, the kids that you're working with. I think this is a good question to kind of take us out on this. And this is from Abby Harris. And uh, she said, if you could go back and tell your high school senior self one thing, what would it be? Go back uh, to 1996 work, there. Work harder. Um, work harder. That would be the one thing that I would tell myself. I was always kind of been a um, uh, uh, a humble kid, but um, it came very easy for me in high school. Um, 
and it was kind of easy for me in the beginning of college too. Like I was a pretty good athlete. So things weren't that difficult for me athletically. And I was always big. I was always strong. So those things were natural gifts. Um, so I took those for granted that my natural gifts would take me all the way through. And it took me a while to figure out that, you know, talent, talent alone isn't enough. Um, you know, you've got to, you've got to do the things you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to get sleep. You've got to rest. Um, you've got to use, um, your opportunity and take advantage of your opportunity to get better outside of, you know, the, uh, outside of, you know, just the, the football field, you got to do things off the field that make a difference. Um, and then the other thing, um, would be to understand that this is a business. And that's the one thing we tell kids now is don't fall in love um, with recruiting because this is a business. Um, that's the one thing we try to we try to push the kids as soon as a kid commits. You know, we tell them, like, hey, don't fall in love with recruiting, because when you get to college, now that you've signed, everything's going to change. Now that you've signed, you have to you have to you have to pan out. You have to you have to be who they thought you were going to be or life changes for you in that locker room. Like you don't want to be the kid that shows up with all the hype and turns into a bust. I've seen that. And mm. that is not, that is not a forgiving world because players in locker rooms talk very bad about you to your face behind your back. It's very demeaning. If you're a kid that doesn't turn out and you had all the hype, so you better come in and live up to it because if you don't, you're going to hear about it. And mm. coaches lose their jobs based on you not performing. Um, so, and they're going to treat you like that. Like my job and my family's lives depend on you performing and kids don't understand that. Um, kids don't understand that these guys, these coaches have families. Coach Frost has kids. He has a wife. Um, mm -hmm. he, he's making a great salary and he'd love to keep making that salary, but that all depends on two things, how well he coaches and develops and how well you take the coaching and apply it. And if you're winning, um, mm -hmm. so those, those, those things are the things that I would tell myself that I didn't understand, you know, that, you know, natural talent isn't enough and this is a business. Um, so take care of your business accordingly. Well, thank you. Happy for that question. Uh, you know, you said natural gifts. Uh, I want to show one other natural gift you have, and uh, it's not just on the football field. You're, you're quite the singer here. So let me, uh, let me play this. I thought to come up. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was grace that brought my liberty. You know, uh, Steve, you, you've done, you did national anthems at basketball games uh, uh, on your bio and your, <clears throat> in the media guide, you did weddings. If NIL was around back then, I mean, is that, would you have been making money singing there? You know, Man, back I, I might, I might, if NIL would have been around back then, you guys might not have heard of me. I might not have been the guy that panned out. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they would have wanted to give me those things back then. I don't know if I was mature enough to handle that. And I hope these kids are, because it's a, it's a lot that comes with that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Steve, this has been a blast. Um, you asked us before we went on, like, how long is this going to go? And I'm like, ah, you know, it could a half hour could go 45. Well, we're at a, a, an hour 10 right now. And this is, by the way, that's totally a normal Redcast thing. So, you know, this is nothing out, outlandish. Um, we like to end with our parting shots and we always give our guests the final one. So uh, you'll have a couple seconds to think up one, but uh, Rob, you don't get a couple seconds. So uh, it's your turn here. Give us some parting shots, buddy. Well, I would just like to say that uh, my daughter has officially made her first appearance on the Redcast in the beginning. And then <laughs> our cat, Creamsicle Tom, who uh, happened to adopt. I gave him the Tom name because we adopted him right around the time that we interviewed Coach. Um, he made his first appearance on the show tonight as well. So I'd like to uh, just congratulate both of them. They are now Redcast famous. And uh, thank you so much for coming on tonight. No yeah, this, is, this has been so awesome. Steve, take us out of here. Oh, man, I think my parting shot would be, um, you know, my daughter did not make her appearance tonight. You guys got to meet her yeah. before we started. Um, so I've been sitting here sweating, waiting for her to bust through the door. My <laughs> my two-year-old, she loves she loves her dad to get her to sleep. Um, so I heard her I heard her pitter-patter little feet about 30 minutes ago. And I was like, oh, here she comes. She's going to. I was hoping she, she would. I was, I was hoping she'd come on, but. <laughs> She's going to buzz through the door. But, man, thank you guys for, for having me on. It's been fun. And, um, you know, to the people out there, please support Dream. Um, we talked about this earlier. Dream is is the nonprofit umbrella for everything we do, our after-school programs, our mentoring. Um, and also Warren Academy is is a, is a, is a program or subsidiary of, of Dream. So go on and, and support. Donate. Um, I promise you what you, what, what you donate will go to you know, helping kids, um, helping kids here in Nebraska and helping us continue doing what we're doing. Um, and we just appreciate the support. We love Nebraska. That's why we're still here. That's why we made it home. And that's why we're giving back to the community because it's a special place. Thank you guys. Yeah. Rest Redcasters, you can follow Steve at Steve underscore Warren 96 and uh, the Warren Academy at Warren underscore Academy. And like you said, go to jo joindream.org. You can uh, you can donate money there. Uh, again, you know they have after school programs that are 100% free for participating youth. This is a great program, and it's something that's uh, helping so many kids out there. And who knows? Because Scott is on speed dial, it can eventually <laughs> Redcasters also benefit us there. Uh, you know, on the football field too. So, anyways, thank you so much uh, for Rob and, and I. Steve has been great talking with you. And uh, Redcasters, we'll talk to you next on the Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. A Huda Media Production.